What Daniel Kahneman's and also some other dudes, thinking fast, thinking slow, taught me about how to think. So essentially, if you summarize the whole book, it goes like this. There are two systems, system one and system two. And these two systems are in your brain. These two systems are your brain. These two systems are the systems you think in. And these two systems are, one, the automatic thinking. You can think of it as the subconscious of yourself. The part of you that is not really you, but exists in you and in your body. The part of you that maybe tells you to eat. The part of you that maybe drives while recording video. Because essentially I'm almost not thinking about driving at all, which sometimes produces errors, but usually after you drive a while it's pretty accurate. This is also why people have really do have troubles when they start driving, because essentially what happens is that the automatic system isn't trained to drive, and we can then, by using system two, system two is the you that exists, actually. It's basically the you that you think of yourself. The you that can think, the you that can read a book, the you that can decide, oh, now let's drive to another city. The you that can decide to open a book, the you that can decide to read a book, and the you that can decide to record a video while driving. So the thing is, there are these two different systems. Again, because I also, um, <laughs> ex not exchanged them, but I um, did, couldn't really differ between those two, and I tried to remember them, and then I... I, um, yeah, essentially switch them all the time. System one is the first system, the primary system, the animal system, you could say, the one that's automatic. And system two is the ration, rational system. So what does this do about thinking? Or what can this teach you about thinking? Actually, a lot. Why? Because the problem is, at least, or it's not so much a problem, it's just more like a characteristic of these two different systems or different characteristics of these two different systems. The one is automatic, the one is effortless, the one has much more brain power, the one is almost always available, the one is the one you don't have to think about, the one is the one that kind of gives you emotions, the one is the one that gives you feelings, that gives you yeah, I already said it, gives you emotions. Uh, the one that is, is it that enables you to speak at a certain rate. The one it is that is controlling your breathing. The one it is that controls running. If you think about running, it's the human body and including the human brain is the most complex thing known in the universe to us as humans. And enabling such a completely different not different, such a giant robot. We are essentially machines. We are organic machines designed to survive. And just coordinating this huge machinery of what it is a human is in order to just to run is like a task we, with system two, with we, meaning the we that actually can talk, um, or at least try to talk, or yeah, the two, system two, essentially. If you think about how hard, how complex this task really is, then you maybe begin to realize how powerful actual system one is, or the system one is. Another example, 
and this kind of throws me off every time I think about it. It's a little bit longer, so um, try to follow me. The first axiom, you could say, the first statement that we assume is true is this. Whenever we sleep, we essentially, most of the time, and also most people, we don't realize that we are dreaming. This means we are in a simulated world, because this world doesn't exist. Because in reality, we are sleeping. This means the world doesn't exist. This means our brain is producing a simulation. Now, which system is producing the simulation? Of course, system one. Now, if you are sleeping, there is a slight chance that you realize you are sleeping. And therefore, you can actually influence what you are doing in your dream. You can actually influence system one. But this is a rare case and most people cannot do it. You can train to do it. It's called lucid dreaming, but most people cannot do it. And the thing is, we also forget what we dreamt most of the time. This means most of us don't even realize that we live in this simulated world, a huge chunk of our time that essentially is just a simulation or are just simulations produced by system one. Now, the next thing you need to realize is this. If we are awake, your brain essentially is doing the exact same thing. It's actually almost, there is actually almost no difference apart from in the dream, the stimuli, note in between, my phone actually overheated and therefore the video stopped. Therefore, I don't exactly know where I left off, but I tried to pick up. So we were speaking about dreaming and simulating realities and the difference between the difference between the simulated reality you actually live in and the dream itself is nothing different than then in your dream the stimuli re you receive so the stimuli being the things you hear the things you smell the things you see being external sources of data that are interpreted by your brain in a way that you can actually hear things. So if you think about sound, sound is nothing different than vibrations of air that your brain translates into sounds for you, into hearing, into listening to things. Now, what you need to understand is, if you dream, almost everything is based on internal stimuli. So basically, you, your brain is simulating all of these stimuli. If you hear something, then that's something your brain actually produced. If you look at something, that's also something your brain actually produced. Now, if you compare the power, the sheer processing power of something like a dream to something like a computer game, a very sophisticated computer game, then what we, yeah, what we need to realize is this. In a dream, you don't know you are dreaming. You think that you actually live. You think that you actually experience reality. Apart from the exception where you know you're dreaming. But also, if you know you're dreaming, you're still kind of in reality. It's not that reality itself, so the thing you can actually look at, feel, you can actually listen to, is something entirely different. It's just that you can influence this reality. But the reality itself is pretty much the same, only it is different in a way that it behaves different, or it can behave now different, from the reality we actually live in when we think we are awake. So now, what is the main difference? If we are living, if we are awake, the external stimuli are 
real are real. The thing is, you don't absolutely have no clue whatsoever if they are real. Why? Because both simulations are entirely based on your brain. If you think about things like, I can understand a language that I can understand, that I can speak, but others can't. Therefore, their reality is already pretty much different. We people don't see colors the same. There is a huge deviation in the way we see colors. What might be turquoise for somebody might for somebody else be already green. And these are only very small deviations. If we now think about the fact that in dreams, even when we are hunted by a monster that could never exist in reality, we still think it is real and we still don't realize we are dreaming most of the time, then it becomes clear how powerful the system that actually produces the dream is. And the system is of course not system two, but it's system one. So if you think about the power, the sheer processing power, like graphic cards upon graphic cards that, it, that are used for very sophisticated computer games and also for virtual reality. Virtual reality is nothing different than uh, closer approximations to simulating reality with a VR headset. So a simulated reality basically where you also can look around. Before this it was only possible to look around when you looked at a computer screen or at a bigger screen and now it is also possible if you turn your head to also live in this reality a little bit more. The next step is then to also be able to walk in this reality. This is already kind of possible. But the most important thing I want to, I want to get away from this, um, the most important point I want to I wanna get from this, from this comparison, from the dream reality and the actual reality is this. You don't even know that the things you hear, that the things you see, that they are indeed based on informations on reality. We don't see gamma waves, for example. Why? Because we have no receptors for gamma waves. Um, we don't see magnetic fields, but some fishes do, and they can swim along these lines of these magnetic fields. So basically everything we experience is of course kind of based on the anatomy of humans, but also there is the actual data, the actual data that enters you, that you can perceive and then there is the interpretation. And so if you hear vibrations, if actually vibrations hits you, you can sometimes feel them if they are very uh, bassy or if they are very low in frequencies. For example, if I put on, uh, I don't know what it is called, the thing down here, and if it is on six, for example, then my car begins to vibrate. And I can feel this, but I also can hear this. Therefore, the difference between vibrations and actual and actual sound is not that different anymore so it's 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 not that different anymore it's smaller now system one and system two again the thing is we think as humans that we the thinking human part of the brain that we are like these gods these gods walking on earth and if you really think about it I mean we kind of are we still are the most complex thing known in the universe, at least to us, which doesn't mean much, but it has at least in our standards, in our, if we compare us as complex systems to other systems we know, we are the most complex system we know. Of course, if you, for example, take an ant, 
an aunt also has maybe uh, thoughts about complex systems, but the thing is, they probably will never reach the way of thinking we humans, we humans have or do. If you now think about also AI, then what essentially AI could kind of replace is it could add another layer to this human thinking. Um, not really AI on its own, but much more a human-machine interface that is already kind of developing. So, but back to Daniel King, then back to System 1 and System 2. What you need to realize is that many of our decisions, for example, 95, around 90% of our thoughts, we think every single day, are just repetitive thoughts. We have already thought thousands of thousands of thousands of times and they are not even something new they are not even something we think so we really think we as system two we really think oh yeah i need to stand up oh yeah i need to brush my teeth oh yeah i need to eat something oh yeah i'm hungry but the thing is that i'm hungry is not really part of us it's not really system two thinking but we only think we think these things but in reality um we don't really think these things but these things are just suggested by system one and then we just act on them and basically we are you could say that once a habit is installed so now habits habits are kind of the link between these systems what is a habit if you think about system one it's essentially an AI that is already built in your brain it's essentially something that makes you better at everything at least it doesn't I mean it doesn't really mean it makes you better at everything it just means that there's something that tries to help you but that's not you and it's already installed in your brain and I you could call it system one you could call it the brain that is not the part of the brain or the part of you or the part of your thinking that is not you but we think of thinking as only thinking as system two thinking. So therefore, system one thinking isn't really thinking because it's basically just an assistant. We already have an assistant built into our brains. For example, if you think about fear, what is fear? Fear, so if you think about reality, essentially what you can, so there is maths, 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 maths. There's mathematics. And we can display reality in kind of equations. That's the thing I want to try to say. So there is an, are a number of inputs and then there is an output. And for example, in the book, I think it's in this book, not another one, Daniel Kahneman or the authors mention that firemen, when they go into a house, they sometimes develop the feeling or after years of experience, they kind of sometimes develop the feeling oh we need to get out right now and of course this is it's not system two thinking system two thinking would be oh well the ceiling is kind of well it doesn't look that good anymore if I pull up all these reference samples I have from the past maybe it looks close to this and in this the ceiling actually dropped after five minutes so therefore there is a potential risk that the ceiling would drop next step okay um, there's actual fire in front of me and it's burning and my jacket is also burning therefore there is a slight chance that the house is gonna the ceiling is also gonna drop so um, another risk factor added to this the next thing would be oh there's a woman screaming in front of me maybe she needs help this would be system two thinking but system one thinking would be we need to get out right now okay this was a little bit of an exaggeration but you 
this just this feeling that overwhelms you. A feeling is nothing different than the solution evolution found for displaying reality to us as humans, as system two, so to us as the system two thinking, us as simple as humanly possible and also enabling us to act as fast as possible. Because emotions are not only emotions that are displayed then into thinking and actually translate into us thinking, we need to get out right now. It's just the translation of this, of this information, of this output, of this huge equation we could never process. Because essentially we as system two cannot even process a simple mathematical calculation of 164 times 164. Some people can do this, but this is not something we inherently can do. We only, we are essentially like, oh, well, I need to drive left. Oh, yeah, I need to drive. We are essentially kind of, so if you think about system two thinking, there is actually another example that I recently heard. It's essentially, there is Homer from The Simpsons. And Homer from The Simpsons, just, I, I haven't watched The Simpsons. Um, I only watched a few episodes. But the thing is, he essentially speaks all the time in system two. It's like, oh, yeah, I need to do this right now. Okay, this wasn't, this was not like, information I just made an impression of Homer without actually transferring like inf stuff he actually would say but um, so this actually was used this example of Homer was actually used in another book about this topic um, it's called what was it called it's either the power of habit by Daniel I'm not exactly sure what the who the author of the other book is but yeah well it's just that I recently listened to this book again and therefore it's, it was stored in my brain and therefore a recency effect and therefore it was now available. Now, habits. I already tried to introduce habits but I then I got a little bit sidetracked. If you think about habits again, habits are essentially the link between those systems. Why? If we start driving, we essentially train system one by actually thinking about the stuff. The more we think about the stuff, the more it gets automated. Therefore, habits, if you think about it, we can actually code, we can actually code system one by using our thoughts. Our thoughts over time, essentially, transform our brain. If you think about the brain, it's nothing, it's nothing else. <laughs> it's a little bit too simple, I guess. But your brain is essentially a giant road network. and if you drive on these roads by thinking about stuff, you essentially can build roads and you can also broaden these roads. So if you think about the roads I am currently driving on, it's three or four lanes. So this means the connection from one city to another is very fast. If there wasn't a road in the first place, I couldn't not drive here. And if it wasn't that broad, I could not drive as fast on here. Therefore, I would have I would need to take other routes, therefore everything would take longer. So if there is something you want to do, you want to try to automate it into system one. If you want to, for example, um, and you do this by essentially coding and system one then realizes, system one is actually an AI, you could say that it's an AI, and it's, it's grabbing for all the code you produce all day long and it's deleting the trash code and it's essentially looking for similarities and if it finds similarities on different lines of codes then it kind of makes them 
or bakes them into a routine. So if you stand up the same time every single day, after a while, it's like, oh yeah, we stood up on this day on 4 a.m. Oh yeah, on this day also. And then essentially what happens is that you develop a routine. A routine is nothing different than system one actually installing, kind of installing, a sub-program that's made from your thoughts. It's not only made from your thoughts, but from your thinking over time. And your thinking over time also kind of produces your actions, therefore it actually makes sense. If you do things over time, your brain tries to automate them, therefore actually enabling system two again to think, because otherwise we couldn't talk while driving, because we would have to focus on driving all the time. But if it's automated, if it's already a sub-program, and if it's a pretty good one, and then we actually can talk while driving. And this means now, what system one tries to do all the time is it tries to optimize system two. Therefore, it's, system one is not really your enemy. Of course it's not. I mean, it's just neutral, I guess. But the thing about system one is it's actually the biggest help you can ever get. It's nothing that can be replaced by Google. Maybe in the future, I don't know. <laughs> I certainly am not the one to predict these kind of things. But what you then need to do is you need to realize that once a program, for example, is made, needs for a sub-program that already is installed to be uninstalled or deinstalled, it actually needs some effort again. System 2 thinking is effortful. System 1 thinking is effortless. System 2 thinking takes time. System 2 thinking takes willpower. System 2 thinking has does, essentially doesn't have any processing power, at least compared to System 1. If you think about the processing power that's needed to produce an accurate simulation of reality that tricks us, we humans, oh, yeah, we, we had the Greeks in, our, in, in the past and we meet, we are able to produce cars and we are able to fly in this world. But at the same time, we are tricked by our own brain when it comes to a simulated reality every single night for hours and hours. And our brain makes us run away from dragons. It makes us combat maybe our biggest fears. Here's a theory. Of course, there are many different theories about dreams. What if your brain, of course, I mean, if you think about dreams, your brain essentially, there's the recency effect. This means whatever got added most recently has a higher chance of actually coming up again. For example, if you recently spoke Spanish and or had something to do with Spanish, then the chances are, and of course it depends on how much focus you actually um, had to pull off or was pulled off by when doing the thing. So if, for example, you really got hunted by a dragon in reality and it was a life and death situation, chances are this might come up again in the future because it's engraved in your brain brain actually engraves things or does things or transforms the brain whenever it thinks that something is important and you need to tell your brain that something is important by for example increasing adrenaline adrenaline therefore um, for example if you study something and then you do something to increase adrenaline then it essentially there's nothing different than it marks basically your thoughts over time 
and whenever you, after the fact, after you did the thing, mark them by increasing stress to the body, um, what you're doing, what you are doing is you are putting a marker, like a bookmark, it's essentially a bookmark, just not a book, but false. And you are telling your system one that this was important and maybe we should store this and not get it deleted whenever we sleep. This is a maybe function of sleep, just getting rid of all the unnecessary stuff. You probably won't remember what you ate three days before for lunch. The thing is, you don't have to because it's not something that will be useful at, at least in, in the last, at least in, in history, in recent history. It wasn't in historic circumstances, you could say. It wasn't useful for you to know whether the lunch you ate three days ago was essentially something that's worth knowing still. If it was, then it maybe you would know because you would act differently, you would think differently, and maybe you would also mark these things differently. So, to sum it up, I don't want to get this video too long. It's essentially already 40 minutes, I guess. Kind of a podcast, but with a video added to it. Now, system one and system two. System one is the biggest help you can ever get when you enter a life, I guess. And you need to work with your system one. And the better you cooperate, the better system two and system one cooperates. Of course, these are only idealizations of our thinking, and there are many, many things in between. If you think about it as a line, then on the one part, there's system two thinking, on the one part of the extreme, and on the other side of the line, the other extreme is of course system two thinking, but it's only an idealization. It's only, I mean, of course we could say there are like 365 different systems. And each of them is a little bit similar, but also a little bit different. And some of them are more close to system two thinking and some of them are more close to system one thinking. But the thing is, we just use system two and system one again as a metaphor for how our brain actually works and how we are actually embedded in our brain. To sum it up, you essentially are just a simulation, a simulation that is run by your brain. If you are hungry, then your brain actually shuts down maybe some of your functions, maybe clear thinking, for example. If you want to sleep, then your brain actually shuts you completely off sometimes. For example, yeah, I mean, if you are sleep deprivated and you didn't sleep for hours and hours and days maybe, then your brain just shuts you off. And therefore, you don't really have power at all. Therefore, it's not like you can tell you yourself what to do, really. That you actually have to think, not only think, but also to act on the things you think, because they engrave, essentially, they essentially are making, producing, creating the you that will exist in the future, that will exist in the next second. And if you don't do this, and if you just randomly do things, then this also will become the new you, because system, system one sorts out these things all the time. Therefore, try to act as good as possible, I guess. Try to, I mean, I don't want to make a motivation speech out of this, but try to use system one by using system two.